Hello and welcome to the Holistic Fitness Podcast, where you'll learn how to get your goals without burning out. I'm your host, Laurie, and this show isn't just about movement and nutrition. You probably already know that exercise and nutrition is important for your mental and physical health and well-being. It's also about stress management, mindset, shedding those limiting beliefs, and working through some of that childhood trauma while you're at it. Today, I'm joined by Doree O'Neill. Doree is a number one Amazon international best-selling author, a motivational speaker, certified hypnotherapist, and a sought-after success coach. People hire her to bring their goals and dreams to life so that they can create a life without regret. Her book, Seriously, How I Went From a Hot Mess to a Daring Badass, is the inspirational story of how she was able to find and build the life of her dreams after recovering from addiction. Dory is living proof that dreams can come true, and it is her life's purpose to guide others to theirs. So if Dory and I lived in the same city, I have no doubt that we would be really good friends. I had such an awesome conversation with her on topics like mindset, addiction, changing habits, realizing your full potential, and how it all intertwines together. I learned so much from her story and how she started to live the life of her dreams. I'm genuinely super excited to share this one with you all, and I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. How are you going this evening, Dory? It is good. We've actually, it's February, and um, we've had 70, well, I think you're you're close to me as well, but the yeah. temperature has been insanely warm. It's so nice, though. Yeah, it was like in Fahrenheit, like 78. So for anyone listening in Australia, that's like... 24 degrees, but that's in February and February is meant to be like cold here. Yeah. Yeah. We, this is normally the time of year we get snow and it's, we're wearing shorts outside. Well, yeah, we're in shorts outside. It's, it's insane, but it's, I know it's crazy. It's insane. I am really excited to have you on the podcast because you do a myriad of different things. And, you know, you and I actually have quite a few similarities. We're both corporate women um, navigating the corporate journey and all of that. But you're also a success coach. If anyone is watching this, you could see like all of the certifications that Dory has in the background and then into hypnotherapy as well, which I love because it's, it's something that's you know, a little bit off the beaten track in terms of, you know, you've got this corporate side, which is what people expect of you, but then you've got the hypnotherapy side that's like, oh, is that mind control? Is that, you know, what is this? So I I truly believe that when you get into a field where you genuinely want to help others, when you want to help others make their dreams come true, it's because you have some sort of backstory behind it. Can you tell me the context of what I would need to know about your life to know why you help people in the way you do today? Uh, I Thanks for asking the question. I, it's this is really the whole reason for my life purpose, and I I really believe that people are put on this this earth to learn, and what you learn is to help other people, and that's the way I look at my life because I have had some trials, and you know I am a recovering alcoholic. I celebrated ten years October last year of being alcohol free. And the journey to that point of when I decided to give up alcohol was sort of the first milestone for me in a world of self-discovery. Mm-hmm. I had a thing when I was getting sober that said, are you ready to get off the merry-go-round and get on the roller coaster? No kidding. It totally, but it opened my eyes up to so many different things and, and started my journey toward, I want to continue improving my life in the way that I see the world. 
Mm. So I, um, a couple years after that, decided I wanted to quit smoking, which I had refused to give up when I was drinking yeah. because I needed that one vice to still make me look badass, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> like smoking a cigarette makes you look badass. It Not does. really, but <laughs> <laughs> I still needed that edge. And I decided that I, it was time and a friend of, and I tried everything, everything. And a friend of mine said, have you tried hypnotherapy? And I said, no, I haven't, but I've always been one that's willing to go out on a limb and try something different. And mm-hmm. I did it. And within six sessions, I was done. And that was going on seven years ago. Wow. And it was so powerful for me because it was not anything like stressful. It was, it was, I want to say easy, but it's, you know, it, it took the work to get, to go to the appointments and it took the work to be in agreement with what was happening. But from that moment on, I was totally sold on what the power of hypnotherapy. I went back at other times in my life to help. I um, was in a car accident in my twenties. They just take the jaws of life to get my friend out. And it was, it took us away in an ambulance. So you can imagine what it was like riding in a car and being a passenger in a car. And finally, my husband says to me one day, this is ridiculous. When I was like climbing up the side of the car, when he was changing lanes and I went back, I went back to the person that helped me quit smoking. And within a couple of sessions, it was done. It was done. And um, my husband's a lot happier now that I've done that because it's easier to ride a car with me. And then my weight loss. Mm-hmm. I have been, um, I started gaining weight when I was four years old. And by the time I was in second grade, I wasn't seeing a diet doctor. He shoved me in the room and told me that if I did not lose weight, he was going to give me a shot the next time I came in. And imagine being a little kid. Right. And being afraid of getting shot. But that's how, in his mind, how he was able to, to get me to, to be serious about what was, what was happening. But, you know, as with a lot of people with weight loss, I gained it back. I lost it. I gained it back. And thus was the journey of my life. And finally, I went back to the source, the woman that had helped me to quit smoking with my riding in car. And I just said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I am so tired of gaining and losing, gaining and losing and the shame and the guilt and all the disappointment that comes with that. You know, I can remember once being in my closet and I had a woman come over to help me, you know, I do public speaking and I, I do, you know, speak to people on podcasts. Yeah. I needed, you know, some, a little bit of help and she had taken my clothes and that didn't fit. And piled them up for me to sort through to give away. And I laid on top of them and cried oh. because none of them fit. And it was at this moment when I was working with her name is Laura Tien. And when I was working with Laura, that I had this aha moment. And I looked at her and I said, do you mean this is not my fault? I had blamed myself for my weight problems. And I've carried that with me since I was a little girl mm. and realized the power of the subconscious and all of the different suggestions that we get throughout growing up. And even as adults, the suggestions that come into our subconscious mind, we don't necessarily mean for them to be there, but it happens. And it 
all the willpower that you can have sometimes for certain people. And I'm being one of those willpower doesn't get you through it. Yeah. And when I realized that it wasn't that I was weak, it wasn't that I, you know, just like you said before, we know what to do, but knowing and doing are two different things. Mm. And having a mindset and having tools to be able to recognize that it's not going to be perfect, all these different things. Long story short, man, that was a long story. Um, but long story short, I at that moment when I realized it was not my fault. I realized that there was something else I was supposed to be doing as a part of this. And I corporate had had been playing its role all these years and it's it's done it served me well, but I realized that you know there was something else I was supposed to be doing. And when I I asked Laura during one of our sessions, I said, I would love to be able to do this. She said, Well, you are in luck. I am opening the only school in Georgia that certifies people for hypnotherapy. And I said, Where do I sign up? Wow. The rest is, you know, but it's, it's my purpose. And when you do what you love, it's just to be able to help people that are, that come to you and feel like there's usually, and you probably know this as well with your experience that people come to you for help. When they come to people like us, that's not the conventional method. Mm -hmm. They've tried everything else and they come to you as the last stop. Mm. And to be that person that is the last stop for someone that you can say, I can help you and, and let's do this together. But to me, is just, and this is the person telling us without crying because normally I get very emotional about this because it's so important to me. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing how you got to where you are today as well. And I think so many people can relate to that about feeling like there's something wrong with you, especially with the weight loss, weight loss thing. And you had so many layers to unpeel. You had, you know, the alcoholic layer to unpeel and then the smoking layer to unpeel and then a very valid trauma response to being on the roads, albeit Atlanta, geez, Atlanta, like <laughs> that's like that was a traumatic experience for me, and I didn't even get running. <laughs> so, um, anyone who's driven through Atlanta will know what we're talking about. And mm-hmm. then you had the weight loss, and not just a weight loss journey, but a level of obesity, according to obviously the doctor, since you were mm-hmm. a child. Yeah, I mean that's ingrained by se- second grade. You're what seven years old, eight years old? Yes, yes. Oh, can you tell me more about how you? I I think oh, awareness is always the first step, but it's really difficult to bring awareness to ourselves. So when it came to these different addictions, whether it was food, alcohol, um, obviously smoking, you probably knew it wasn't that good to, good for you, <laughs> but. When did you realize these were problems in your life? Like what, what were your triggers to say, hey, I need to work on my shit here? Yeah. So I always say that people have to get to a certain amount of pain, which is unfortunate to realize that there's a, when the pain is too much to go forward, you realize that there have to be changes. For myself with the alcohol, I was in an addictive, addictive, well, I was with an addict um, and an abusive relationship. And at that moment, there was a moment we'd had this horrible, horrible fight and I was left on the floor and it was, 
I woke up. I, and I think that's what it is. It's an awakening, right? Mm-hmm. And and we can have many awakenings in our life. And it's like a crossroad that you come to where all of a sudden there is no forward. It's left or right. And you've got to decide on which way it is that you want to go. And when I was on the floor after after we'd had a fight, I realized at this point there's something, something has to change. Mm-hmm. And this isn't this isn't the way that I envisioned my life being. And at that moment, I knew that something, something had to give. And that's when I, I actually went to a therapist and she, you know, it was like, how much do you drink? And I said, you know, just, you know, just this much. And she said, are we sure about that? Yeah. Well, okay. Maybe more than that. And, um, you know, for myself, I didn't classify myself as an alcoholic because of the fact I didn't drink every day. And, and I think that that's a big, people have misconceptions around how much is too much and, and that sort of thing. And for me, I was a, what they call the binge drinker. I would go out and I would drink entirely too much, which is highly dangerous. I'm five two. So you can imagine what, what that would be like drinking as much as I was drinking. But I, I made a decision at that, that point in time where enough was enough. And if this is what was the root of the pain that I was in, it had to go. And so I did the work. So it wasn't just like a decision, though, where I just went, I'm done, you know, all is well. It it wasn't, I did, I did do the work. And there were hard times because it was a lot with anything when you're unpeeling the onion, right? There's all these different layers. Like how you said that the layers of things that you discover and you start learning things about yourself and the things that I thought about myself to be true, I realized were maybe not so true. Or you start learning what motives are. What's your motive? What are you, you know, you start real, seeing all parts, the beautiful parts and the dark parts. So that was that. The smoking was for me, it was just a spiritual journey. And I realized that in order for me to get deeper into my spirituality, which I'm a very spiritual person, I needed to get rid of that toxin. Mm. And the weight loss, I mean, the weight loss was just something that I just finally was just tired. I was tired of the of beating myself up. I was tired of feeling like I was less than because of food. And it was time it was time to do it was time for me to get behind the driver's seat and take control and mm. stop letting it run my life. So yeah, I maybe that moment was me on top of my clothes in the closet crying where it's just yeah. like enough, enough. Mm. it's too short you know but I bet so many people can find that relatable it sounds like there's a few different motivations that can help people change and I am so sorry to hear about your relationship as well and being in that abusive relationship and also being in a relationship where they almost drive your addictions and drive your actions as well Mm -hmm. because when you're in that environment it's much harder to quit you know Mm -hmm. Um, especially if they're a worse addict than you. And I said worse in air quotes there for the the listeners because you kind of say, oh, they're addicted, but I'm not. But there's still something going on there. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, absolutely. He was, you know, his his drug of choice was drugs and and hard drugs and mine was alcohol. So for me, you know, I I don't do that, but I do this. And let me tell you, you know, Things are things and, and, you know, it doesn't make it any, me any better than anybody else. And, you know, whatever it is, it's just, we're all here to get well. 
and and to find a happiness and and that's what you know i i hope he's well and hope that you know he's he's found his path to happiness is you know absolutely awesome. yeah definitely so there was a, a really strong motivation there in terms of you know you wanting to get yourself out of like the motivation was pain there and then the motivation was almost exhaustion yes. <laughs> from weight loss. And then, you know, working towards your dreams and your spirituality with smoking. So I would love to dive into though, what you mentioned about suggestions. So I know personally that hypnosis is a lot about suggestions, but you alluded to suggestions that you receive from other people. Mm-hmm. And obviously your issues from weight, like in my opinion, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but to be overweight as a child, like is that nature or is that nurture? Like what sort of suggestions were kind of being thrown around for, for that to start so young to you? For you? So uh, very good question. So from a subconscious level, mm-hmm. your critical analyzing ability of your mind is, doesn't start forming until probably around eight years old. Mm-hmm. So when you're a child, you're completely subconscious. That means it doesn't know fact from fiction. So anything around you, you're accepting it as true. You start developing associations with with different things. So let's say, that for instance, I spill Kool-Aid on the floor and my parents start fighting. As a child, you may think, oh, I was bad. Mm-hmm. And it may be nothing to do with you. But as a child, you start developing these associations and you may think that that is your fault. For for myself, I was I had a bit of childhood trauma. My um my mother and, and she's okay if I tell this because I have written about it before and, and got her permission though. It's her story to tell most of the details, but my mother was in an abusive relationship with um, someone who was an alcoholic. And so for me, where it all started there was that I had some neighbors that lived next door that had two kids, daughter, son, dog, Dad came home from dinner. They sat down and had a lovely dinner together. I would go over and eat dinner with them and be a part of a normal family and then walk back over to my home where there was screaming and um, and abuse, but dinner on the table. And so to be the good girl, I would sit down and have dinner at the table there too. So food became like this sort of um, comfort, but also it was it started triggering just all of these different levels of, of addiction really because of the fact that I was, I was doing, you know, I, I was living this double life. I would go over here and pretend I was part of this family and come over here and be this. And of course you eat two dinners, you know, you're going to start gaining weight. And that's, that's where it sort of started was there. And so from a suggestion perspective, you know, it was food is, is a way to bring people together. Food is a way to also feel warm. And, you know, think about a little kid when they have warm food in their belly, it develops a sense of comfort. Mm. And so all of those different types of, of things and then the associations as well of, you know, maybe, maybe this was my fault and what makes me feel better. Oh, if I go eat, then I feel better. And, and then, I can forget about that being my fault. Mm, that is such an awesome associate. It sucks that that happened. I'm really sorry that you, from a young age, 
was unable to almost feel safe in your own home at that point and felt safer being, an, as you said, a normal in, in air quotes with somebody else's family. And yeah, I, I can definitely relate to that in some levels, which I'll get into shortly. But I think what I'm quite interested in is a lot of people can't really put together that the reason they're eating is because they want to feel more comfortable and because they had this specific experience. Like if you ask them why they're eating more, they wouldn't be able to say why. So what are some either common techniques or common beliefs you see around this food addiction? Uh, so a, a lot of it is is comfort, stress. You mentioned that earlier too. Stress is a I really, really, I can always tell you, and, and I'm not perfect with my food and, and I'm becoming more and more okay with that. You know, it's, I can always tell you the barometer of how my life is going is how my food is mm. because of the fact it's, it's just stress is a big, is a big thing. How you're sleeping. If you're not sleeping well, then your, your body is looking for energy. Mm. And your brain is looking for energy and it's going to go more than likely to carbs. Yeah. So all of these different things that are happening around you are some key indicators of your how you're going to eat. And if, and if you're prepared, and then there's also the level of forgiveness as well of when when things are not perfect. So I would say that that's one of the big things that I have learned is First of all, noticing that my food is off, not being ashamed to admit it's not good, and then being able to say, why is it not good? Am I tired? We have a, had a thing when I was getting sober, and I, I find it's very interesting how it can pertain to food as well. Am I hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? It's called halt, because those are the things that can drive you to do the things that you normally don't want to do because your defenses are down. If you're tired, you're sick. Your defenses are down and you're not willing, you know, you're going to go for whatever's easy. If you're angry, you know, have you ever heard of eating at someone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hangry is like a, a whole, with my ex, yes. when it, whenever he was like frustrated or snapping at me, I'm like, okay, when did you last eat? Okay, eat some food, then we'll have this conversation. <laughs> yes, yes. Or, or getting angry at, at your significant other and like going into yeah. the closet and shoving Oreos in your mouth. <laughs> I'm like, you know, you've heard the thing, um, drinking the poison and expecting some, the other person to die. <laughs> it's mm. like eating the Oreos and expecting the other person to gain the weight. But it's, but it's a thing. And then lonely, you know, loneliness can be a, a, a big trigger for a lot of people as well. Yeah. And, um, and then tired, which I mentioned before, you know, what kind of sleep are you getting and that sort of thing. So I would say looking at those types of things, noticing when you're you're not eating the way that you want, and then being able to at least go through some of those basic high level mm. indicators. And then you can start diving a little bit more into it. But the root of how it all began, you know, some of this stuff can be really interesting. Some of it can be very painful, but being able to to trace it through if you're you're willing to do that, you know, not stop it. I'm stressed or or I'm angry. Why am I angry? And and if you don't mind, I'll give an example um, of something that I experienced. Um, speaking of eating Oreos in the closet, I've done it. 
<laughs> Were they good? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so good. But, um, but I was eating Oreos in the closet and I, um, I went, you know, went back to, to Laura and who I was working with and, um, the hypnotherapy and I was in tears and I said, I blew it. And she said, what's going on? And I said, I was eating Oreos in the closet. And she said, okay, let's back, back it up. Why were you eating Oreos in the closet? What, what was that, that moment right before then that was Mm -hmm. doing that? And I have stepchildren and one of the, um, one of my stepkids had said something that hurt my feelings, but that wasn't the reason as we continue digging deeper and deeper and deeper. What we ended up coming, what the point was, was that I never had children of my own. And so I was craving love from her because I never had children of my own, which is, I mean, I know it's all of this to an Oreo, but it depends on how deep you want to go with it. You know, most of the time I go, I'm tired and I'm stressed and I don't, you know, you don't go that deep with it, but you can heal a lot too, though, when you do. Absolutely. And I think your story around, you know, when you were a child really illustrates that point about when you go deep, you can make these deep changes. And I think it's completely understandable, um, especially being a woman and not having children of your own. Like it is something that, you know, even me personally, I'm only 30, but single and and even thinking about now, like, oh shit, what if I don't meet the right person and I don't want to have kids with the wrong person and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So I think that's a completely normal reaction to that sort of stuff. So Hulk sounds like an awesome, an awesome framework that people can use to start diving deeper using that Hulk, figuring out if I'm tired and then asking why. And I know in, um, in the corporate world anyway, to get to the root cause, ask yourself why five times, you know, that, that root cause analysis and, oh, and yes. you know, that can, that can help you get deeper. A question, and this is more of a personal question that I'm sure other people can relate to. Um, I know some stuff happened in my childhood when I was under seven, like my parents at least separated. I know that my parents at least separated, but I have like no memories of America when we were here. And um, I know that stuff went down based on some stories I've heard from family members and it wasn't good. And it's not my story to share, it's others. And then other stuff has happened when I'm an adult that I can just see the writing on the wall that it would have been tra- traumatic and and probably observing it as a child and being egocentric. I'm sure I've picked up on lots of behaviors and I'm sure there's people listening today that know that maybe there was some sort of trauma as their brain was developing, but they don't know what it is. So they don't know how to work on it. So when you're working with people through hypnosis and, and you know, through your success coaching, is it actually important to know what your subconscious is? Like, how do you break that down? So for, from my type of practice and what we do, we do not do the, um, going back into the past, like a past progression, right? We, we're here to help you work through whatever the association is Mm. and to to work on that. We definitely think that if it's, and I say we, um, the practice that I, that I work with is that we definitely think there's certain things that you really do need to see a therapist or, um, it's a, it's a, a blend, right? 
and then you probably know the same as well with yours is that, you know, you, we'd never say don't ever go see a medical doctor because, you know, there could sometimes be something wrong with hormones or, or those types of things, especially with weight loss, you know, so it's a team effort. So we never, we don't do that. There are some hypnotherapists that do do that. But for me, especially around trauma, if we're going to deal with trauma, we deal with trauma with creating new associations with whatever's going on around. But, um, you know, there are some that do, we'll do that for you. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I'm sure that's really reassuring for lots of people to know who maybe don't feel like they have trauma or they can't remember their trauma, that they can heal themselves by making new associations. I also love as a professional that you brought that up around saying it's a team effort because holistic fitness to me, especially as someone who's like certified in fitness, bar, yoga, and I've got a diploma of psychology, but you know, I'm not like a psychologist. Like I just love psychology and CBT and all that stuff. I nerd out on it. But um, it is a team effort. And I think that a lot of people are getting on TikTok or getting on Instagram and saying Pilates is the best thing to do if you want to tone up, stop lifting weights. And it's like, well, we're all different. And then I being very much into the meditation field and hypnotherapy field, it's like you can heal cancer with with thinking differently. And I'm sure that's true for some people, but th- there's also a really great, you know, there's doctors and, and proven evidence and, and we are a team and we are a blend. And I feel like being in this field, it's about empowering people to make their own choices while educating them. That's it. And everybody has their own recipe, right? Mm. Everybody. And that's one of the things that I appreciate about, you know, what we, what we do, because it, what works for me may not work for someone else. And Mm. I, for one, love Pilates. I love yoga, but I'm not a runner. Right. But, but I also know too, that food is a part of that mindset is a part of that. And, and you sometimes have to go to different sources to create sort of this team around you that's going to support you in the way you're going to be successful. So it's a lot of experimentation, but it can also be a lot of fun trying all the different things to see what you like and what you don't like. Yeah, I love that. It's a total mindset shift. Like when it comes to weight loss, I think a a lot of the reason why people are so upset with their weight loss journey is because they're expecting results by trying... They're expecting different results by trying the same thing. And I can't remember who quoted that. Someone super famous, but it's like, that's the definition of insanity. And it's like, if you approach it from a sense of curiosity and exploration, like, I'm going to try this now. I'm going to try this now. You're going to enjoy the journey a bit more. And I know that, you know, you've obviously had a weight loss journey. Can you talk more about your thoughts on the importance of mindset and weight loss? It's the game changer for me, or it was the game changer. Listen, you can do diets. Um, and, and you know what? And people are successful at it. So I, again, don't knock. I don't like say, don't do this, don't do that. Because there are people that can do a certain way of living and they can st- stay that way. For myself, that just doesn't work. It's mm. never worked because I'm depriving myself. And I can do that for a certain period of time. And then I'm going to go back to my old ways. But when you talk about mindset, the power of mindset, mindset allows you to have the grace with yourself to say, okay, so I didn't do it the way that I wanted to do it, but I can do it differently in the next meal or the next day and being able to get out of the cycle and realizing that it's not perfection and that there's a lot of gray. It's not, it, there's a lot of gray 
and being able to figure out what's right for you and being able to not give up and, and just say, this is, I stopped using the word diet for myself. I just say, this is my lifestyle. Mm. This is the way that I choose to eat. And it may not be the way that you may eat or, you know, it's definitely not the way my family eats. <laughs> it's just so hard sometimes, <laughs> especially with teenagers. It's so hard when they want, they one of them, in fact, I'll cook something. She'll look at it and go, is this healthy? <laughs> and if I say yes, she will not eat it. So yes. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's the truth. It's the truth. But, you know, it, being a mindset is so important on everything, mm. everything, because it is what, when the chips are down or when you feel like you have fallen down in your face, it is what allows you to go, it's okay dust yourself off and you go, you keep moving forward. You never go, you may move backward a little bit, but you never go back to all the way where you are. Mm. Just keep, keep moving forward. It's so important. Mm. I feel that. I definitely feel that because I think a lot of people spend too much time beating themselves up in the weight loss Mm -hmm. journey. They're putting themselves down. And even if they do put on all the weight, they don't recognize all of those new habits they built and all of, you know, you may have been consistent at the gym for six months. Like you learned how to do a deadlift with, you know, near perfect form. You don't have to relearn that too much, you know, and, and people don't focus on that. Right. Or maybe, or maybe you have like water with you constantly. I, Mm. I drink, this is what I do all the time now. So I may not be like perfect in the way I'm eating all the time, but I'm always drinking water. Those little things like that, that, that add up and you know it just it's it's we used to always say it's progress not perfection and that's the way that it is Mm. why do you think recognizing the progress is so important when it comes to actually achieving your goals you you have to see how far you've come and a lot of people want to focus on, well, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. And it seems so, so far away. You need to be able to look back at even just the smallest of things and say, and reward, not reward, like with an Oreo cookie in the closet, (laughs) (laughs) but be able to reward yourself on, I did this because Mm -hmm. what it does is all of these little, I did it. I did it. I did it. Start building up into, I did it. Mm -hmm. And You've got to be able to recognize those and congratulate yourself for that. And the more you congratulate yourself, the less that you're beating yourself up. Yeah, that that's so powerful. Um, giving ourselves the congratulations that we give others because I think we're, we're just so quick to judge ourselves and beat ourselves up. But if it was our best friend, like saying the same thing about themselves, we would be hyping them up. Like we would be hyping them up so much, telling them how amazing, but we don't extend that same grace to ourselves. So I always say, if I said what I said, say to myself, to my best friend, she would never speak to me again. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) definitely. But change isn't easy, is it? No, it's not. Can you talk me through, you know, you mentioned that hypnotherapy did make it a little bit easy. But when you actually like lost the weight and kept it off, was that journey scary at all? Like, what did that look like? Very much so. Because my belief, remember, it's it's also about the beliefs that are formed when from the time you're a child, but it's also the beliefs that continue to form as you're, as you're growing up and in your adult. What my belief was, was I can lose weight, but I'll never be able to keep it off. Mm. Because 
what we do in our mind is we look for the evidence to prove our thoughts. Mm. We look for the evidence. And what did the evidence say to me throughout my my years of, of the diet race was you always gain it back. Mm. So that was a big fear for me. And it often held me back from even starting again because it was like, what's the point? Yeah. What's, it's gonna it's gonna come back anyway. With why bother? We hear that one a lot. It, why bother? Mm. So that that becomes a, a belief, and that is one of the things that for me was fear. And fear is the big thing that holds us back because the mind likes you to be in the same spot as predictable. And everybody, like for the most part, likes to have pre- things to be predictable. You you don't want any surprises. Maybe you want you know flowers and that kind of surprise, right? But yeah. <laughs> but you don't. You want to know what's around the corner. It's just yeah. a, basically who we are as human beings is that we we don't like the element of surprise. So your mind is built to keep you safe, and the way to keep you safe is nothing changes. Mm. When you start to step out a little bit and you say, I'm going to make this change, then all of a sudden that's when all of these memories and all of these, the self talk starts cranking up and goes, Dory, you know that you've always, always gained it back. Yeah, you're right. I have, I have, but that's when working with the hypnotherapy goes, but I don't have to do it anymore. And what other things have I proved to myself? And that's one of the big things. What other things have I said that before that I couldn't do that I did? Mm. So you, all of these things, that, you know, I never thought that I would like be able to, you know, continue going back and, and doing different education and, and that sort of thing at my age, right? Because it was like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm in my 40s and, you know, I'm about to be 50. Um, you yes. Not that um, 50 year olds don't look beautiful, but you look wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> but you just do what you got to do, right? Mm. And, and you just go, okay, I, so I, I went back to school. Mm. And I started, I started over, you know, I'm starting my career over. I've been in corporate for 25 years in technology. And now I'm embarking on this journey into coaching and, and hypnotherapy. And I'm not saying it to be, you know, braggadocious or whatever. I'm saying that because of the fact that it's something that I can look at and go, but I did do this. So I can do this. I have, I can do this. I did that. And so that's what we teach a lot of when we're doing hypnotherapy is think of something that you thought you never could do and you did it. Mm. And you hold on to that thought. And now think about what you thought you can't do and realize you can Mm. because you've done it before and you've done it before and you've done it before. And there's all kinds of different, if you sit and think about it, there's all kinds of different stories that you have been or things that you have been through in your life that you didn't think you could do that you did. So you can do this. That is so powerful. And I think that's a really great tip. If every listener could take that away, would change their lives. Because, you know, my question to you is going to be, well, if your whole life has been yo-yo dieting, then how do you build evidence? Because you don't have any evidence. But just being able to reflect on you overcoming 
what you thought you can't do. Everyone has examples of that. And it's funny, I was having a conversation with a girlfriend the other day. She has a similar family background to me and we both tend to, um, you know, we're, we're both still single and, and in our late 20s, early 30s, but have like very successful corporate careers. So we were kind of laughing how you can be so successful in one area of your life. And then um, I wouldn't say we're unsuccessful in love, but just haven't found the person that we want Particular. to be yet. We're particular. particular. <laughs> yeah. And, and we were just finding that kind of dichotomy quite interesting. And I think everyone listening to this has one area of your, their life where they're abundantly successful, mm-hmm. whether it's leisure, you know, you, your career may, might not be together. You may not have got a degree. You might have a terrible love life, but hey, I can hike a bloody big mountain. You know, we've all got right. these, these examples. Right. And that's it. And it doesn't have to be like you said, it doesn't have to be parallel to exactly what, you know, the the point is, is that your mind is strong and you've heard the saying thoughts become things and they can become things. It does take work. I mean, you can't just think something, you know, I can't just go, I want, you know, a Bentley and I poof open my eyes and there's a Bentley out there. Um, I do want one, <laughs> but, but you know, it takes, you have to do the steps to get the work to get there, but it's such a powerful tool. It is the, I think one of the best gifts that we've ever been given, you know, that we have as humans is our mind mm. and it can really take you places. It can take you other places as well, but you get to choose and that's the other thing is what you get to choose where it takes you. Mm. You are in the driver's seat. And I love what you said earlier as well. It was when you were crying on the clothes that you chose to get into the driver's seat. And it really took you taking that accountability to say enough is enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you, and that is everybody, mm. everybody. You know, and that's the one thing I work with my clients on is, you know, what do you want? Well, I want this. Then have that. Well, but I don't want this. Well, then don't do that. (laughs) They are so simple when you say it like that. I know it's hard, but it's the truth. Yeah. Absolute truth. Hey, Holistic Fitness fam, a quick message from one of our sponsors, Ned. As you all know, I recommend good nutrition, movement, and stress management practices before supplementing so you know what type of supplementation that your body actually needs. For me, I supplement with very few products, but Ned is one of them. I'm a type A, high-energy, ambitious business girly with massive goals, and sometimes I honestly just need to chill out and relax a bit. I've found that both Ned's de-stress and sleep blends fit in with my busy lifestyle and ambitious goals, but I was honestly not a big fan of CBD products before trying Ned, mostly because of the culture surrounding weed. I just didn't want something that was going to alter my state of mind so that I became much less of a goal-getter or less ambitious. That was until I learned about full-spectrum hemp and their benefits. Ned blends a chock full of premium CBD and a full-spectrum hemp of active cannabinoids. Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil nourishes the body's endocannabinoid system to offer functional support for stress, sleep, inflammation, and balance. These products are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. 
All of Ned's full spectrum hemp oil is extracted from USDA certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Colorado. I'm obviously a big fan, but don't take just my word for it. Ned CBD products have over 2,000 five-star reviews and they work with incredible partners in the medical field like Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez and Dr. Will Cole. Ned is providing Holistic Fitness podcast listeners a very special discount. If you'd like to give Ned a try, listeners get 15% off Ned products with the code Lori Lee. L-O-R-I-L-E-E. Thanks, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering a natural remedy to bring balance to so many people's well-being. And you've written a book as well, and I love, I love the title of it. Can you tell me more about what you dive into in your book and how you help people? So my book is called Seriously, How I Went from a Hot Mess to a Daring Badass. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it took forever to think of the title because the, the picture on the front, like, um, but it's about my journey in sobriety. And, mm-hmm. but it goes deeper than that. It goes past it. It goes into some of the key lessons that I learned that have helped me to find happiness because at the end of the day, that's really all that we're looking for. All of us. We want to be happy. And there are certain things that get in the way of that happiness. And so I talk about the different things that I learned. And I, I listen, I didn't make any of this stuff up. This, these are the things that I have learned. I learned through some beautiful women that were sober and, and, and helping me to get sober, teaching me how to love other women because I didn't, you know, trust was not a big thing for me. Um, all of these different things. One of my favorites, though, is um, the titles of the chapters called Let Your Freak Flag Fly. <laughs> five times fast. Um, but it's really about be embracing who you are as a unique person mm-hmm. and just letting that person out and letting them be whoever they want to be. Um, and for me, that was so key because I, you know, being overweight always felt, you know, not pretty enough, not good enough. But inside of me was like this really, my mother calls it eclectic personality, quirky. My husband mm-hmm. says I'm quirky. Um, and I am. But being able to embrace that and just say, you know what, that's who I am. I'm quirky. I, you know, I, that's who I am. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, but that takes a journey and I'd love to dive into that. I know we're coming to the end, but I'd love to dive into that just for a moment because I feel like so many of us feel so misunderstood. And you and I, Dory, we were having a conversation off air before we got started. And I was saying like, I didn't feel like I fit in on the West Coast because I'm a little too corporate over there, but then I don't feel like I fit in on the East Coast because like I am a bit weird and wonderful and all that sort of stuff. And I know it took me a really long time to start posting about my truth on TikTok in terms of, you know what? Like if you think better thoughts, you're going to lose weight because I know that that's going to trigger people and be like, no, calories in, calories out. That's all it is. But then it's like, well, how do you think you have the available energy to be able to do the habits that are actually, you know, quite hard in the beginning? So that's kind of my belief. And I feel like there's so many different facets to me and, and the same point of like, um, of, of empowering other women. And it's sometimes when you do let your freak flag fly, it can be lonely because it takes a bit to find the people that are also letting their freak flag fly. And, 
and and comfortable in your energy. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your journey and how you help others embrace their uniqueness. So I think it, one of the things is that with sometimes we don't find we don't even know what that uniqueness is. Yeah, we've been so trained to be like everybody else. Mm. that, you know, even with the weight, right? The weight look like this person. If you look like this person, if you have drive this car, if you act this way, then you're going to be just fine. You're going to be happy. And how many people look like that and they're not happy? Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so you, it, It's being able to, to sit down and figure out what makes me different. Mm. And sometimes it's also, why am I this way? What, what was it that made me this way? And, and, and then being able to say, okay, now what talent do I have with this? My quirkiness allows me to make funny faces or, you know, or to, to be able to, to say things that I probably shouldn't <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. But, but once I learned that it's okay, you know, there are people in my life that have gone away mm. because of, who I have stepped out to be, you know, there, there are people that have said, what is she doing? You know, <laughs> one story I have is that on Facebook, I had like this really cool photo shoot done to embrace my, my uniqueness. And there are some really amazing shots. I love them. I posted them and there were some people that were like, this is so weird. Why are those so weird? And in that moment I stopped and I said, you know, uh, Oh, okay. Well, they're noticing. Mm. They're noticing. And and if you don't like, if you don't like the station, change the channel. Ooh. And so <laughs> that. that's. But but finding your people, being able to to find out who it is that you are, being able to find out what unique talents that you have. We all have them in, in different levels and different degrees and different combinations. Who you are, and then being able to find who your people are that appreciate that about you. And then the rest of them, let them change the damn channel. Yeah. Yeah. Just change the channel. And and the funny thing is, is that people will try to change you as well when you... And, and they don't do it intentionally. They do it in a way that's like almost just a little bit self-deprecating, but in a way that they love you or, or what have you. But I, I definitely think there's amazing takeaways from that. But in particular... Like, what are your strengths from your uniqueness? So instead of like beating yourself up, you know, whether I'll share it a personal example, because it's just easiest, like, I am just like crazy out there, really loud, commentate on everything, talk in movies, crazy annoying that way. But instead of saying like crazy annoying, like, what are your talents? You know, what are your talents coming from that? And I, that's never an exercise that I've consciously done. But the talents there are a leadership podcasting, sharing with people. Mm -hmm. And even though, yeah, it's annoying when you're sitting in a movie next to somebody who asks a lot of questions, asking questions on a podcast, very appropriate. So I feel like that's a, you know, that's an example. But what you just shared, there's something that like everyone listening to this can think about their unique traits and how that's actually a strength. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, think about, you know, all of the different, the different things that make you, you. And, uh, you know, I could look at my quirkiness and I say quirky because, you know, it's I, I make weird faces sometimes and I am, you know, very, I use my hands a lot and I, you know, kind of dramatic and that sort of thing. And, you know, growing up, it was like, why are you so, you're so dramatic, Dory. Mm. You're so like, so dramatic. Well, guess what? Now I talk on stages. 
<laughs> and, and I'm okay with that. Or, you know, I took an acting class and I actually was in a play, you know, and it, it's, it helps me to be, you know, that's my creative outlet. It's who I am. And, and now I embrace it. And I go, okay, so yeah, so that's what I do. That's what yeah. I do. And those yeah. hand gestures are important for being on stage. Right? <laughs> I wish <laughs> that a podcast. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening to this, you're not going to be able to see Dory and I, but we're waving our hands around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. We're coming up to a close now. And before I ask you the final question, we do have a final question on this podcast. Is there anything that you haven't shared today that you feel like you just really wanted to share with everyone? I really quick, I do want to break the myth of what hypnosis is or Ooh, hypnotherapy is. Do. Really quick, you know, one of the things people forget about hypnotherapy is the word therapy is in it. Mm. When people, when I tell people I'm a hypnotherapist, they ask me if I'm going to make them clock like a chicken. My <laughs> response is always, I charge extra for that and only if you want me to. But <laughs> that's not what it's about. A hypnotist is someone you go to Vegas and see and they get you on the stage and they, you know, make you throw your wallet at them and that sort of thing. Great fun. Awesome that 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 can be done. But your mind, when I told you before, is there to protect you. It's not going to allow a hypnotherapist to do something that it is totally against. Mm-hmm. So something very key to know. It's not it's not like mind control. It is therapy. It's very gentle. And it really helps a lot of people. And it's a really nice healing modality. So that's just something I wanted to get out there because I know a lot of people think that, you know, it's, it's a sideshow and, and it can be, but it's not hypnotherapy. It is not. And I love that you shared that. And I love that you shared the distinction between hypnotherapy and hypnotist. Because personally, I've been on the receiving end of both. One of my friends, he's a magician. And like me and my boyfriend at the time, he was tapping my boyfriend's arm and we both had our eyes closed, but I put up my hand as the one that felt it. It was wild, but I've actually been to hypnotherapy as well and I loved it. And it was honestly like a meditation. Like I was just lying down and getting a guided meditation and how I felt afterwards was insane. I've also had regular therapy. That was helpful. Talk therapy is helpful. But I must say the feeling that I feel walking out of hypnotherapy is just like insane. It's it, it what the, the point of the hypnotherapy, a big point is to relieve a lot of the stress. Mm. And we call it venting. We're venting out all of this stuff that's swirling around in your mind. We're helping to just kind of like dissipate that so that you can, when you walk outside of my door, you have this feeling of well-being and the stress has been removed so that you can have the clarity of mind to be able to make the decisions that you want so that you can be able to have the conversations that you need to have or make the decisions that you need. It's, it's, that's the key. Mm, I love that. And what an awesome gift that you can give people as well to help them relieve themselves of their stresses and, and move closer to their dreams. Thank you. The final question on the podcast is, if you were having a conversation with your 20-year-old self right now, what one sentence of advice would you give her? (laughs) I like to get deep. (laughs) Girl, keep drinking. You're going to turn out just fine. (laughs) (laughs) Have that espresso martini. (laughs) I love that. But in in America, it's not legal at 20. 
You have it's to not, but I still did it. Yeah, I still yeah. did it. I still did it. So I think everyone starts at the same age worldwide, but it's just legal at different times in different countries. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah, I would, I would, I would look at her and just say, "You're going to be just fine." Yeah. You know, you're gonna you're gonna make what you're gonna think are epic mistakes and have heartbreak, but at the end of the day, you're going to be just fine. I love that. It's like not changing anything at all, just empowering her and telling her that things in the end, they're going to work out. Yeah. I've loved this conversation. Honestly, it feels like I'm just chatting to a friend. I can't believe I call this work. It's awesome. Um, Yeah, this has been an amazing conversation. I'm sure so many people listening would love to learn more about your work. So where can we all find you on the socials and where can we all buy your book? Okay, awesome. Well, you can buy my book on Amazon. And it's called Seriously, How I Went from a Hot Mess to a Daring Badass. And you can find me my, I always get this, I'm www, um, <laughs> therealdorio.com. And the real Dorio is sort of my, my company name. And the reason is, is because I finally found really who I am. Yay. And it's Dory, you'll see it in the cap, in the, in the, um, I've lost words, title, but it's not like Dory, like Dory from Finding Nemo. It's not it's Finding Dory Nemo. Dory with two E's. Yes, it's D-O-R-E-E, the real D-O-R-E-E-O, because my last name's on y'all, um, Dicom. I love that. Thank you so much for joining. I've just learned so much from you. This has been an amazing conversation. I really appreciate you being here, Dory. It has been amazing. Thank you so much. You've made it so easy. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. And for everyone listening at home, or in the car or wherever you are today. Eat well, move well, breathe well. And until next time, keep shining.